And then you want to turn off that lower section of lights. I think you'll be able to read the. I think that that one. Yeah, turn that one off. That way you can read the, the screen a little bit better. About two weeks ago, I was talking with my older brother. His name is Calvin, spelt with a K. And he reminded me about something. So that is what generated the topic for my words with you this morning. I would like to refer you to the bulletin, the middle section, the, the bottom here where the little picture is at. It says, trust the past to God's mercy, the present to God's love, and the future to God's providence. Think about that a minute. Trust the past to God's mercy. We sang one of the songs this morning about how deep God's mercy is for us. And the present to God's love. To God, does God love you? Does he love me? The answer is yes. In the future to God's providence. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow, do we? Or even the end of today. But we trust in God. Judas Iscariot sent a Simon. Remember who Judas Iscariot was? Who was he? He was one of the disciples. He was the one that betrayed Jesus. He is very well known for that, is he not? So let's learn something about Judas this morning, okay? Um, just for the footnote here, um, I have numerous biblical, I had numerous reference materials I went over as I prepared this uh, talk with you. So there's various authors I, I used and got ideas from. Um, and the Bible text this morning is from the NET Bible, New English Translation. Okay. The relationship between Jesus and Judas is very unique, and we're going to learn more about that as we move along. Let's find out how they first met and how Jesus dealt with them. His example will show how we should, if all possible, treat others that seem to not follow in Christ's walk from our perspective, and to see how we maybe, uh, let's see, and see how we maybe. Judas's at times. So how are we like a Judas at a time? As we discuss this morning, I want you to have two frames of mind. I want you to picture yourself as a Judas, and I want you to picture yourselves as being treated by a Judas. Okay? To understand the two different sets of shoes that you're going to wear this morning. Okay? Can you do that? Raise your hand if you think you can do that. I'm gonna try. You're going to try. Okay. Um, it's challenging. Um, I think each one of us has met someone similar to a Judas. Then I think times in our lives 
we might act like a Judas. Okay. Does anybody remember how Jesus chose Judas? At least he doesn't remember. Anybody else? Jedediah, do you remember? Jamie? That is true. That is true. Did you hear what Jamie said? The Bible speaks almost nothing about the call of Judas. Okay? In fact, it, I looked it up. I looked all up through all the four synoptic gospels. The Bible doesn't say much about Judas. Um, Matthew first mentioned Judas Iscariot in Matthew 10, verse 4. And he says, And Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. That's the first that time the that's the first time that Matthew mentions Judas. Mark in chapter 3, verse 19, and Luke in 6, 16, when they give a list of the disciples, it ends in, and Judas Iscariot who betrayed him. So that is what Judas is known for. That's what Jedediah said earlier, for betrayal of Christ. Um, in John 6, 71, it, it reads, Jesus replied, didn't I choose you the 12 and yet one of you is the devil? Now he said this about Judas, son of Simon Iscariot, for Judas, one of the 12, was going to betray him. That's about all we know about the beginnings of Judas. But if we go to expositor Ellen G. White, she gives additional information about the call of Judas. Judas was a unique individual. Expositor White says Judas urged himself to become among a disciple. He urged himself. He wanted to join and be a disciple. It's like you inviting yourself to the birthday party that you weren't invited to. Um, he had an earnest and apparent sincerity at the time. He wanted to be part of the group. Jesus neither repulsed nor welcomed him, but uttered only mournful words. Think about that. Jesus basically left it up to Judas whether he was going to be part of the group or not. He didn't necessarily want him there. He didn't invite him in. He let Judas make up his own mind. What did Jesus tell all the disciples? The foxes have holes and the birds of the air have nests but the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. Hmm. Almost nowhere to call home. You'll be wandering around a lot. No same bed at night. Judas believed Jesus to be the Messiah, and by joining the apostles, he hoped to secure a position in the new kingdom. So that was a little bit of selfishness in his heart, was it not? Probably. 
Huh? Yeah. We all, so we all want to be part of a group, right? Some of us like to be in the back. Some of us like to be in the forefront. The disciples were anxious that Judah should become one of their number. Why is that? He had a commanding appearance. Something that stood out among everybody else. Uh, maybe a great leader of some kind. He had a keen discernment. He was intelligent. All the disciples viewed him as intelligent. He had an executive ability. You know, he didn't come from the fishing boat, did he? We don't know exactly where he came from, but White's description of Judas makes me think he was maybe a very intelligent businessman. He ran a business or something. He had abilities. He had discernment. Um, the last part there, the disciples had been much disappointed that Jesus had not tried to secure the cooperation of the leaders in Israel. They felt that it was a mistake not to strengthen his cause by securing the support of these influential men. Just think about that a minute. If you were going to start some new, oh, I don't know, a new something, a new governmental or a new something that you would want to get influential people to be part of it and support it, um, maybe if you're doing some fundraising or something, you would want some influ influential people to be there and to help sponsor your event, would you not? If Jesus had repulsed Judas, they would in their own minds have questioned the wisdom of their master. That's probably normal. Have you ever thought, oh, maybe the CEO of this company or the pastor of that church should go do something that you think that they should do? Do you ever think people should do things that you want them to do all the time? We do it as parents. We want our kids to do something, don't we? But how about someone in an upper level, like a governor of California or your city mayor? What are some characteristics of Judas himself? Uh, we just read what the expositor White said in Desire of Ages. Out of the Smith's Bible Dictionary, uh, the authors there felt that he was a manager of business affairs. Sounds good. Judas liked to take an opportunity to help others. He kind of did in a way. Um, they felt God can, it was an example of God can still use people in his church even though they don't have the best intentions or things go wrong. And then because of Judas being a, a, a managing kind of a person, a very discernment, um, if something did go wrong or if there was some trickery of some kind, Judas probably would have been the first one to unveil it. He did, remember? We'll, we'll, pass, we'll, we'll have that in a later text. What was Judas's responsibility in the disciple group? Anybody remember? Jedediah? The treasurer, the accountant. That's true. He, uh, he had the wallet of the group, right? 
And whenever they would receive donations or money for the road, Judas took care of it. I'd rather take care of my own money, but anyway. It tells us here in, let's see, where was that? Uh, John 12. Then six days after the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom he had raised from the dead. So they prepared a dinner for Jesus there. Martha was serving, and Lazarus was among those present at the table with him. Then Mary took three quarters of a pound of expensive aromatic oil from pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus. She then wiped his feet with her hair. Now the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfumed oil. How many of you remember this story? All of us. But Judas Iscariot, one of his disciples, the one who was going to betray him, said, Why wasn't this oil sold for 300 silver coins and the money given to the poor? See, Judas is concerned about the poor. He's, he's very concerned. He thinks the poor should have been helped. Now, Judas said this not because he was concerned about the poor, but because he was a thief as keeper of the money box, just like Jedidah mentioned. He used to steal what was put into it. Hmm. He, would, he was a thief. He would take things. He was a keeper of the money box. Also in John 13, 29, it mentions he was, or he had the money box. Um, okay, how about some characteristics of Judas? He was an accountant or a manager, treasurer, thief. He would speak up because he spoke up for the poor. What was another characteristic of Judas? Several times in the Bible, something took over him. What was that? Satan entered Judas. Satan entered him. Um, in Matthew 27, 3-5, it says that Judas was sorrowful. It says, now when Judas had left, or um, who had betrayed Christ, saw that Jesus had been condemned, he regretted what he had done and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. So Judas had a sense of sorrowfulness, regret of some things that he did wrong. At the Last Supper, how did Judas get treated by Jesus? Do you remember? He washed his feet. He washed his feet. Even after, even after Jesus knew what Judas was up to. Jesus knew what Judas was up to. But how did Jesus continue? Treating Peter, I'm um, not Peter, but uh, Judas. He washed his feet, just like all the other disciples. 
Now I'm going to pause and ask you a question. If you were in Jesus' position, humanly speaking, would you have went ahead and washed Judas's feet? You don't need to answer. Okay, how about if you are in Judas's position, would you have allowed Jesus to wash your feet? John 13, 11 hints that all were not clean, referencing Judas. Judas was still trying to, or Jesus was still trying to stir something up in Judas. For Jesus knew the one who was going to betray him. For this reason he said, not every one of you is clean. There is a big hint. Judas knew probably what he was going to do. And Jesus is trying to give him some hints along the way. As we as, as parents, or maybe as we as employees, have you ever received a hint about something? Think about it. Have you ever received a hint from a parent or from a boss or something like that? Jedediah, is your room cleaned up? Jamie, how's patient X? Stephen, is your homework done? Hmm. Just think about that. Yeah. yeah. Have, what do we do with hints that come our way? And it says here in John 13, 21, When he had said these things, Jesus was greatly distressed in spirit and testified, I tell you the solemn truth, one of you will betray me. Another hint. What do we do with hints? In John 13, 19, John the Beloved asked Jesus who was going to betray him. Jesus says, the one who eats my bread has turned against me. I'm telling you this now, before it happens, so that when it happens, you may believe that I am he, or I am the Messiah. Do you think Jesus is trying to give another hint? How about to the rest of the disciples? What is Jesus trying to do? He's trying to let them know something bad is going to happen. He's trying to tell them that things aren't going to go good. Someone's going to betray him. But does Jesus tell everybody who it is? Not really. There in verse 22, I tell you the solemn truth, one of you will betray me. The disciples began to look at one another, worried and perplexed to know which of them he was talking about. They didn't know who it was. One of his disciples, the one Jesus loved, was at the table to the right of Jesus in a place of honor. So Simon Peter jested to this disciple, that's the beloved John, to ask Jesus who was he referring to. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved leaned back against Jesus' chest and asked him, Lord, who is it? Who would like to read the reply that Jesus gave? 
Jedediah, you want to read the rest of that slide? It's very obvious, but what happens next? And after Judas took the piece of bread, Satan entered into him, and then Jesus said to him, what are you about to do? Do quickly. There was no time here for any grudges or anything to be really developed against Judas. The next words of Jesus basically tells Judas, what you're about to do, do quickly. Get about your business. But Peter and John knew something, didn't they? They knew a teeny part of a secret. The Bible says in verse 28, Now none of those present at the table understood why Jesus said this to Judas. Some thought because Judas had the money box. Jesus was telling them to buy whatever they needed for the feast or to give something to the poor. You know, what do accountants do with money? What would you do with money? Do you ever give it to poor? Do you ever have to take care of business, pay the bills, pay the mortgage? You know, what do you do with your money? Judas took the piece of bread and went out immediately. Now it was night. Okay. Put yourself into Jesus' position. You just gave a little bit of hint out to Peter and John. How, how did you, let's see, how do I put it? How are you still loving Judas at the same time? You're still loving Judas, are you not? Even opportunity think about that situation how about if you're Judas and Jesus tells you what you're about to do go do quickly wow you know Yeah, there's a difference there between Peter and Judas, is there not? And later on you'll find out, we don't deal with Peter at all in my talk with you this morning, but you can remember the difference between Peter and Judas. Okay? You remember the difference. In the garden, how did Jesus treat Judas in the garden? All these actions of Judas is leading up to a betrayal. But how did Jesus treat Judas in the garden? He called him friend. For someone that mistreats us, do we call them friend very often? <laughs> Jamie wrinkles his nose. It's hard. Like in Sabbath school, Alicia was talking about some coworkers that weren't treating her very nice. Is it easy to call them friends? It's challenging. 
Is it easy to do business? Well, we do minimal work business, and that's about it. Okay? Jesus called Judas friend. And Jesus tells Judas, friend, do what you are here to do. Then they came and arrested Judas, the whole mob that came with Judas. How did Judas betray Christ? Does anybody remember? With a kiss. How sad. Yeah. That's right. How did it end with Judas? Now, when Judas, who had betrayed him or Christ, saw that Jesus had been condemned, he regretted what he had done and returned the 30 silver coins to the chief priests and the elders. He says, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. But they said, what is that to us? Take care of it yourself. So Judas threw the silver coins to the temple and left. Then he went out and hanged himself. How does this differ with Peter? Since Fifi brought it up. Fifi, how's it different with Peter? Ah, Josiah, say it louder. What did, what did I say? I'm sorry, Jedediah. Repeat yourself again, please. He repented. Peter repented. When it finally caught up to Peter that he had denied his Christ three times, he repented. How about Judas? Did Judas repent? No. Kinda. Kinda Judas repented. He regretted his actions. And the Bible says that he said, I have sinned by betraying innocent blood. Is that a true repentance? No. Who did he actually repent to? I gave you a hint down there on the bottom. Who did Judas actually repent to? The priests. And when he was trying to return the money that they paid him. How about us in Judas's part? We need to remember repentance. Um, Christ throughout the entire Bible is always asking asking his followers to come to a repentance so he can bless them. Remember that? Remember that? All the children of Israel throughout history, how they've been asked and asked to repent so God can bless them? How about you and I today? Are we, um, oh, what should I say? Are we repenting enough of, of our actions to Christ? Just a question. Expositor White.
She says, Judas was not insensible to the beauty of the character of Christ. What does that tell us? Judas was sensitive. He could see things. He saw the character of Christ. He spent several years with Jesus. Was it three and a half years or so was his ministry? Three and a half years. You would, if you spent a lot of time with someone for three and a half years, do you think you would learn something about them? Especially, oh, I, I left it down in my briefcase, especially if you don't have your smartphone, you can do a bunch of texting. Or if you have your tablet, you do a lot of surfing on the internet. You just throw all those electronic toys away and you got to talk with people, um, communicate with them. Everything's done verbally. You can't text anybody. You can't listen to the radio. You can't listen to your music. You will learn to know what people are like. And of course, Jesus could read the heart of Jesus, could he not? Second bullet here. Judas felt the influence of that divine power which is drawing souls to the Savior. Divine power. Jesus, I mean, Judas felt the divine power there. How many times did, see, did Judas see Jesus heal people and take five loaves and two fish and get out his calculator and start multiplying so he would have more food? How many times did have you seen all the, the mysteries of Jesus in the Bible? But maybe he was with his phones and all the time thinking about the money and had to excuse himself if he was still the money, that he didn't get to know Jesus. I like that comment, Alicia. Did everybody else hear it? Probably the ones um, listening to the recording later didn't hear that. Basically, Judas possibly was too busy with thinking about thieving or too busy texting people on his smartphone, um, not allowing the Spirit to work with him. The third one there, Jesus would not repulse this soul while even one desire was reaching toward the light. What does that mean to you? Um, these are quotes from, from Ellen White. Well, what does that mean? Would not repulse this soul while even one desire was reaching toward the light. Long suffering. Long suffering for what? For him to come around. For, for a repentant soul. You're right, Fifi. Excellent. Jesus gave Judas opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. How about you and I? How many opportunities do we get? Interesting. How about opportunities of your neighbor down the street? How about the person at the grocery store at the checkout stand? How many opportunities can we become part of? She says here, in connecting this man with himself, Jesus, he placed him where he might day by day be brought in contact with the outflowing of his own unselfish love. If he would open the heart to Christ, divine grace would banish the demon of selfishness 
and even Judas might become a subject of the kingdom of God. I've been selfish at times. Is anybody willing to say that I have been selfish at times for you? Have we been called to be selfish individuals for Christ and his kingdom? No. Thank you, Kathleen. That is true. We have not been called to be selfish. We've been called to be givers, givers of Christ's love. What does she also say? God takes men and women as we are with human elements in our character and trains us for his service. You can tell I'm rewording what's up here on the screen. If they will, if, or if we will be disciplined and learn of Christ, okay? Christ wants to change us, change you, change me. We are not chosen because we are perfect, but notwithstanding our imperfections, that through the knowledge and practice of the truth, through the grace of Christ, we may become transformed into his image. We sang about God's grace, the height and the depth of God's grace. How high does it go? How deep does it go? What is the highest place on this earth? Anybody know? Mount Everest. Mount Everest. Do you know offhand how many feet high it is? Okay, and I don't know that. Sounds good to me. Do you know the lowest depths on this earth? No? Anybody know? Where? Yeah, the Mariana Trench. Do you know where it's at? Where? Yeah, it's out off of uh, Japan. It's near Japan. It goes way, way, way down deep. I don't remember how many miles or feet deep it is. Honestly, I don't. So there's still more depth. Okay. So from the lowest of the lows to the highest of the highs, God's mercy is there for you and I. Can we imagine that? I have a hard time imagining that. It's a whole lot. It's a whole lot. Okay, let's continue on here. Uh, transforming in his image by his grace. That is true, Kathleen. That is very true. Thank you very much. She says, Judas had the same opportunities that had the other disciples. Judas was there pretty much three, three and a half years like all the other disciples were. Judas had the best teacher around. Can you think back to when you had a very good teacher that you remember and are proud of? Jedediah, are you proud of your homeschool teachers? You better be. How about me? You know, I, I can, my, my family's uh, surprised that I can remember who all my teachers were through school. 
Um, if I had to think of my best teacher, I don't know if I could think of the best. Um, I don't think I can. But I've learned a lot throughout my few years of learning, right? Um, Judas listened to the same precious lessons. He saw the same miracles. He heard Jesus talk to the 5,000. He, he, he saw everything. But the practice of the truth which Christ required was at variance with the desires and purposes of Judas. What was Judas' selfish desires? To become great? To become part of God's or Jesus' management of this earth? Secure a place for himself? And maybe he could make a lot of money and he could take a lot of money he could cook the books and you know something like Zacchaeus did but Judas did not yield his, his ideas in order to receive wisdom from heaven did not yield do you and I yield up our selfish desires every day and pray that Christ will come in and make us a new person every day. Yesterday, I have a coworker that is a Christian. And I can't remember the entire connotation, but my comment to him was, we are being made new every day. And he said, yes, we are. We are being made new every day if we will follow Christ. And we will accept him. We'll accept his life on behalf of ours. How tenderly the Savior dealt with Judas, who was to be his betrayer. In his teaching, Jesus dwelt upon principles of benevolence that struck at the very root of covetousness. He presented before Judas the heinous character of greed and many a time the disciple realized that his character had been portrayed and his sin pointed out. What do we do when our sins are pointed out? Do we blame it on somebody else? I think I have in the past. I'm learning to accept my own responsibilities. But he would not confess and forsake his unrighteousness. There's a key. Do I confess and forsake my unrighteousness? He was self-sufficient, and instead of resisting temptation, he continued to follow his fraudulent practices. Let's think about that a minute. If we're kind of like a Judas, we got to learn to resist temptation to the power of Jesus and stop our fraudulent practices, do we not? Christ was before him a living example of what he must become if he reaped the benefits of the divine mediation and ministry. What living example do we have? I will, I will say this is a living document, is it not? And this portrays us. It, it shows to us our living Savior who wants the best for us. 
But lessons after lesson fell unheeded on the ears of Judas for three and a half years. The best teacher was teaching Judas. The best. Where did Jesus get his doctorate? Oh, I'm sorry. What degree comes above a doctorate? Anybody know? Two, three doctorates? Where did Jesus get his degree from? That's a trick question. That's a trick question. That's a trick question. That's a trick question. Jesus didn't have a degree, did he not? So, Fifi, where did Jesus get his intelligence from? He was authorized by heaven by his father. His father in heaven. The same place that we can get our information from. If we learn what Christ is like, then we learn what his heavenly father is like. Who was Jesus' first teacher? Jedediah, you should know that one. His mother. Jesus was homeschooled at home. Remember when Jesus, when I was 12 years old, went to the temple and talked to the priests? He amazed the priests. Jesus was lost? His parents thought he was lost. That's right. Jesus dealt him no sharp rebuke for his covetousness, but with divine patience bore with this erring man. Do I bear enough with people that might err my way? Sometimes, maybe sometimes not. Even while giving him evidence that he read his heart as an open book, Jesus presented before Judas the highest incentives for right doing, and in rejecting the light of heaven, Judas would be without excuse. Interesting. Are we without excuse? No. Instead of walking in the light, Judas chose to retain his defects. Evil desires, revengeful passions, dark and sullen thoughts were cherished until Satan had full control of the man. Judas became a representative of the enemy of Christ. So if we have revengeful passions, dark and sullen thoughts, does that do us any good? No. Someone is shaking their head no. That is true. It does not do us any good. When Judas came into association with Jesus, he had some precious traits of character that might have made a blessing to the church. If he had been willing to wear the yoke of Christ, he might have been among the chief of the apostles, but he hardened his heart when his defects were pointed out. How many of you, oh man, I know Josiah's been done some computer programming. In computer programming, you have some if-then statements. You have if a condition is true or false, it depends on which direction you take. If something is true, you take one direction. If something is not true, then you take another direction. And here she says, if he had been willing to wear the yoke of Christ, then he might have been an important person in the church. 
How about you and I? If we are willing to wear the yoke of Christ, Jesus can use us in his church. Regardless of our age, regardless of what our talents are. Did Jesus ever use small children? There was a little boy that had five barley loaves and two fish. Did Jesus ever use a runaway from Egypt? Did Jesus use a runaway from Egypt? Yes. Who was that, Jedediah? You're not sure. Jedediah. Who ran away from Egypt because they wanted to kill him? Moses. Did Jesus use Moses? Oh, yes. Uh, let's see. All the disciples had serious faults. Do we have serious faults? Um, John, for example, he had a serious fault. James and John, they were sons of Zebedee, and they were called the sons of thunder. What does that make you think about, sons of thunder? How, what, what ideas come to mind, sons of thunder? Loud. Like lightning is loud. Well, technically lightning is not loud. It's the thunder that comes next. So thunder is very loud. Have you ever been scared by thunder? I have. I have. When we lived in Texas, lightning hit near the house. And when it hit, it created a, a thunder that was so loud, it was so nerve-wracking. You know, almost immediately in there, the fire alarm went off. And it was kind of scary. I mean, you, you don't want lightning to hit a house. Lightning hits things and blows them apart. Lightning hits and destroys. Um, evil temper, revenge, spirit of criticism were all in the beloved disciples. Um, some of them were proud, ambitious to be first. Remember? The two brothers that wanted to be first, one to be in Jesus' kingdom, they wanted to be both on the left and the right of Christ. Or, or do we ever have that attitude? Do we want to be first? And we don't really know what we're getting into, do we? Um, John opened his heart to the divine influences, became not only a hearer, but a doer of the Savior's words. What do we remember about John? We just heard some bad things about John. What do you remember about John, St. John the Disciple? What do you remember about him? What do you know about him? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they went through their mother. But what do you remember about John? John was the youngest of the disciples. John was called the beloved disciple. John lived the longest. What book in the Bible did John write for us? Revelation. Revelation. 
and probably 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, I'm, don't quote me on that one, and John, okay? John the beloved, the youngest, had bad characteristics, did he not? But what did he do? He surrendered them. Jesus reproved his disciples. Was it only one or two of them, or do you think it was all 12? All 12. By beholding Christ, they became transformed in character. So the more I behold Christ, the more I read about what Christ has done for me, the more I have character development, which is point to Christ's character. Um, some of the disciples were fiery zealots, uncompromising, hater of authority of Rome, impulsive, mean-spirited, timid and fearful, slow of heart, doubt. Who was a doubting disciple? Anybody remember? Thomas. Thomas. Some of them were very ambitious and outspoken. Yeah, very ambitious, outspoken. How many of you remember Peter? He seemed like he was getting his foot caught in his mouth a lot, right? Remember, these are imperfect disciples, like I'm imperfect, but how can I change? By working with Christ and letting him mold our characters, we learn to become one in faith, one in doctrine, and one in spirit. We learn to work together. Yes, the disciples had their disagreements. You read the New Testament where they had disagreements. But what is the ultimate goal? To be unified in Christ. The lessons of the Master would lead to the harmonizing, harmonizing of all differences, bringing the disciples into unity till they would be one in mind and one in judgment. That took a while. Even after Christ went back to heaven, it took a long time. Do we have unity and judgment in our church today? Not as much as we could. We need more. Jesus gathered the little band close about him, laying his hands upon their heads, dedicating them to the sacred work that he was putting them out to do. Maybe us as Christians, us as Christians, we've accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, and what is the gospel commission that we have been given to spread the gospel to the world? What did we learn this morning? What have I taught myself? I mean, this, this, everything I'm talking to me, I'm sure you guys are all perfect out here, right? Jesus can read the heart of others, but I can't. I cannot read someone else's heart. I cannot read Elysia's heart, or Annette's, or Fifi's, or Jedediah's. I can observe them and see what they're doing, but that doesn't really tell me what the heart is into, does it? But can we even read our own hearts? Are we deceptive to ourselves? I think I have been at times. So what is some advice that Expositor White tells us? 
She says, so with the servants and messengers of Christ, man needs a power outside of and beyond himself to restore to him the likeness of God, enable him to do the work of God. But this does not make the human agency unessential. Humanity lays hold upon divine power. Christ dwells in the heart by faith. And through cooperation with the divine, the power of man becomes efficient for good. This is a heavy paragraph. What parts does it have? We need a power beyond us. A power beyond us. Where do we get that power from? Here's a letter that tells us about it. And how do we get this power? By surrendering ourselves, our selfish attitudes, which will enable us to do God's work. So as you thought today about you being a Judas or a Judas treating you, have you thought about Christ and how we've been a little Judas treating Christ? Or maybe um, someone had some issues with us and, or they had issues with us and maybe we haven't treated them very well? So think about it a little bit. The only way we can not be a Judas is by surrendering ourselves every day and becoming more Christ-like as the example in the Bible that Jesus gave us between him and Judas. Let us pray. Jesus, in times of old, when you walked this earth, showing us who the Father is, you had one disciple by the name of Judas. Judas saw and what you did and heard what you spoke about. But for some reason, he kept his personal ambitions and didn't follow you. Lord, I pray for each person that is with us today. May we choose to surrender ourselves to you, get rid of our selfish behaviors, and remember, you love us, and you want us to spread your love to those around us. I ask this all in your precious name.